good to go. I think I'm going to get my money back from the college. Can't even turn the microphone on. <laughs> well, I, I, I found a, a story uh, the other day about a little boy that came out of a drugstore playing with his yo-yo, waiting on his parents inside. And a man came down the sidewalk and he asked the little boy if he knew uh, where the post office was. The boy said, yes, down the street about three or four blocks and then take a right, it's be over there. And the man said, thank you. Uh, by the way, I'm the new preacher in town. I'd like for you to come to church with us. I'll show you how to get to heaven. And the boy hit that yo-yo one more time. He said, you can't even find a post office. <laughs> how, you, how you doing? <laughs> Something to think about anyway. <laughs> You're going to try to help people be saved without know how to get there, right? We're making disciples. We're going to go into Colossians chapter 3. We are just about finished with October already, right? And that means Thanksgiving right around the corner, doesn't it? You all ready for that? Every, just about uh, every, almost every day last week, there were been four turkey walking around a parking lot out here. <laughs> almost every day I see them out there. Mouth starts watering and. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> okay, so here we go. Uh, Colossians chapter 3. We're gonna, I'm going to talk about Thanksgiving until Thanksgiving. Just so you know, you're forewarned. We're going to talk about being thankful for the next several weeks or so. All right? So just be aware of that so that you know what to look for. Colossians chapter 3 is where we'll start and we'll probably refer to this over the next several weeks, uh, some of what's in here. Uh, how many of y'all like to eat at Chick-fil-A, by the way? Raise your hand. Most everybody does. Even people that aren't believers like to eat there because food's good and the service is good, right? Uh, why do you suppose that that particular place is so successful? They're probably, I don't know if they are anymore, or at least right this moment, but the last time I looked, they are the most successful fast food restaurant in the country in whatever success is measured by. So guess why that is, I wonder. <laughs> that's, what, that's, what, that's what somebody else said. They're closed on Sundays. I think that the reason why they're closed on Sundays has a big part to play in their success. Now, there are a lot of places, a lot of businesses that are really successful that are not closed on Sunday and may not even know the Lord, whoever owns and runs those businesses, right? So you don't have to be a Christian to be successful in the world, right? But it helps, doesn't it? Right? Because in the end, what's going to last forever is what you do for the Lord. And what you do for yourself and for the world's success is not going to last past this life. Another place called Hobby Lobby is the same way. They're pretty successful in their arena of business, aren't they? And they uh, function in the ways that their faith lead them to function. And they take stands and uh, do things or don't do things that society says otherwise, right? So we see there's places and people in the world who are taking a stand for what they believe and they're functioning in their businesses and in their personal lives based on what they believe about God. And we all like to see that because that tells us 
that we're not alone, for one thing. We're not the only ones thinking that way. And it shows us an example that, okay, we can survive if we stand firm in what we believe and who we are. We can be successful. The question is, what kind of success are we pursuing in life? God's version of success or man's version of success? So as we go through this, I want to... Uh, uh, I want to give you a dare. Look at y'all. Like, you can't dare people. A dare is nothing, is, is nothing more than a challenge. I, I myself had gotten in so much trouble as a young person because of dares. And I've gotten a lot of other people in trouble because of dares. So be careful with the word. But just understand that when I'm saying uh, dare today, it's more like I'm saying I, I'm, I'm gonna ch- I want to challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you to think about some things. Because the goal, right, is to be thankful people. Because it's a Thanksgiving series, right? So my thought and my perspective from what I read in Scripture, from my experience with our Lord, is that Christians ought to be the most thankful people ever. And there's pl- I, can go, we can, I can preach for three, four, five years straight and never run out of things to talk about when it comes to being thankful for the things that God does and who He is and, what, and so on. Just go on down the list. So, I'm going to give you some dares this morning. Colossians chapter... Uh-oh. There we go. Chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. The first dare. Verse 1 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Don't forget about the dramatic pauses every now and then. What that means. If you weren't here when I explained that, that means it's a chance for you to say amen and hallelujah and all that stuff. That's what the dramatic pause is for. It's for me to take a break and for you to say amen. Don't forget our revival preacher, by the way. Don't let that die. There you go. Don't, do not let that die. Because that's good for us to be excited if we're thankful people that we should be excited about the Lord. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I dare you to set your hearts on the things above. I challenge you. Right? Now, don't answer this question out loud. Don't talk to your neighbor, at least until after church. I want to ask you, what, what was on your mind when you came to church this morning? What were you focused on when you drove in the parking lot and coming into church? I know you were thinking about coming to church, but what is on your mind and what are you dwelling on? Was it something great? Was it some worry in your life or was it some anxiety or some burden? Was it, were you getting excited because we get to come to church together? Were you getting excited because God is still your God, right? And you're still saved by faith? And just because uh, things happen in this world doesn't change any of that stuff? You've been raised with Christ if you're saved by the blood of Christ. See what I'm saying? So you, you have reason to be thankful. And, and we get to choose. Here's the thing. First off, if you're focused on negative things, you're not going to be thankful. You're not. No matter how bad you want to be thankful, if you're thinking about the things that are wrong in life, always, and living in those places, you will not be thankful. You might make yourself believe you're thankful, but everybody else is going to say, well, that person right there is just a grouch. Because that's what comes out of you. 
Now, do we trust God or not? Yes, say yes. Even if you're not sure, just say yes, because we're supposed to trust God. We're supposed, he's our God. Everything is in his hands. And we may not have the answer to the problems of life right now, but he has all of this. So why would I dwell on the negative? Why would I dwell on the things that I can't change? When I have all this stuff about God to think about and live in. When all of these blessings about God and who he is and who Jesus is and what that means for me and my relationship with him and certainly what it means for the sins that we've all committed that we've been forgiven. <laughs> Isn't that great? You could, have the, you could have the most horrible life out of all the people that have ever existed and if you're forgiven of your sin, you have everything to be thankful for, don't you? You think about it. So, we get to choose what we focus on, by the way. You get to decide every day when you get up what kind of day you're going to have. I used to joke around. People tell me all the time, you know, people that are close to me and we're friends and we joke around a lot, but, you know, I'll see them and they'll say, they'll say, have a great day. And I'm like, don't tell me what kind of day to have. I'll have whatever kind of day I want to have. It's a smart aleck remark, but it's, me and my friends joke around all the time. But it's true. You can have whatever kind of day you want to have. Now, things happen, don't they? Situations go on and suddenly you got a world of chaos in your life, right? And you might have some anxiety or some fear, or some pain or something that's negative in your life and going on that you can't ignore, but it doesn't change if you're thankful for God or not. It doesn't change who you are in Christ and it doesn't change who God is. It just means right now, this is bad. Thank God I have a Lord that knows what's going on. You can still be thankful in the hard times if you're focused on the things above. You can, cho you can choose what kind of Thanksgiving to have. How many times have we been to a Thanksgiving? Don't answer this question either. How many times have you been to a Thanksgiving meal and something bad happened because people can't get along or something, somebody says something wrong or something happens and it's just not a good time for people? And then, so, then you've got families around the world that won't even get together because they can't talk to each other. And Thanksgiving is ruined. Right? It's... it's, it's it's just a day that our nation has set aside to come together and say, we're thankful, people, for whatever we're thankful for. But the Christians ought to be leading the way in that. We should be living Thanksgiving every day because we have every reason to be thankful. How'd you like that? I got all fancy on that slide change. You see that? You'll see the next one. Why should I be thankful, the grouch says. Why? Why should I be thankful? God hasn't done anything for me. And those of us who are saved and really tuned in to God, right, know better. And then sometimes even those of us who are saved and really tuned in to God, we know better, but yet we still need to be reminded from time to time, right? Say amen. Because <laughs> we're all guilty of that. We can all get in a bad mood and forget that we're supposed to be focused on the things above. And we can get distracted from, the th from who God is and what he's doing. We can get distracted from what God has already done. Verses 3 and 4 says this, For you died and your, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Have you ever been thankful about the thought of being dead? That makes sense, does it? But for the believer, the person who understands Christ, it makes all the sense in the world. Thank God the old me is dead. Because the old me offended God. The old me was an enemy of God. And until repentance happened, until I chose 
to give myself to the Lord so I could be forgiven, I was already dead. I was a dead man walking. But because we put our faith in Christ, we can say now that we have had a a near-death experience, but we're alive in Christ. Ain't that awesome? Be thankful. It says, when Christ, who is your life, look at that, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You know what that means? Put it in uh, everyday language for us, my understanding. That means you get to be with God when this world is over, when your life here is over. You get to be in the presence of God. You get to be with him in his presence. Can it get any better than that? Can it, can it, can it, can it get? Is there something else that you need? Really? Because sometimes when I feel myself getting into these modes where I'm kind of just feeling like everything is wrong and I'm in a bad mood, every now and then the Lord will put it in my heart. Is there something else you need? If I'm not, what, what is it? Right? And if I tell him there's something else I need, he'll probably do it. He'll probably take care of it. I dare you to keep your hearts on the things above. I challenge you to, to be a person who lives every day thinking about the kingdom of God and everything that goes on in his world, in his realm. Because his realm is greater than anything that happens in this world. Isn't it awesome to be a part of something bigger than you? Something greater than anything else? It can't be destroyed. The kingdom of God cannot be destroyed. It will not lose. You will not fail in Christ. You can't fail. God does not set us up so that we'll fall. That's what faith is about. We take steps of faith trusting that God will not set us up to be the fool. He sets us up so that we can be successful in him to glorify him so that other people can know that he's God. And other people can live thankful lives. I can feel it building up. Y'all are getting all excited right now. You're just saving it. Dare number two comes out of the verses five through six. It says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. That's a short list. There's a longer list than that. You can just read the whole Bible and you'll find most of it. But the Bible does, the, the words in the Bible doesn't list everything exhaustively. It just gives you hints of things that if it's all tied to that, then you've got to get rid of it. To sum it all up, you can't live in sin and, and, and truly be thankful people. Does that make sense? You can't have God and sin at the same time. You can't have uh, the, the grace of God and the forgiveness of God and the pleasures of sin in this world at the same time. You can't be in the presence of God and uh, you be the Lord of your life. You can't be saved unless you repent. You can't be saved if you don't stop living as a rebel against God. Right? Everybody good with that? I mean, we say we're good with that, but the hardest thing in the world to do is repent because sin is fun sometimes. It's what we want. That's why it's tempting. I think I've said it to y'all before, but I've, ne- I've never been tempted by anything that has turned my stomach. It's true. Think about it. The things that tempt you are things that you enjoy or want. And the reality is the choice is God or you. What God wants or what you want. Right? Now you can have what you want. 
you can go ahead and engage in that sin. You can even live in that sin. You can even abandon God and everything about him. And you can enjoy life in this world in the way that you see enjoyment. And you can even be thankful that you have a great life. But when life in this world is over, you will not be thankful. Because that's all. You will have your reward by the time you die. You will have what you want. God will always give you the desires of your heart. Remember that. Always give you the desires of your heart. If you desire him, you desire everything that comes with him, he'll give it to you. It's already there for you to get. But if you desire the world and everything in it, he'll let you have it. Because he doesn't force himself on you. And he doesn't force you to force, he doesn't force you to love him. Make sense, y'all? So we get to choose. Say no to the things that don't honor God. If you want to be a, a truly thankful uh, person, if you want to be, experience a true thanksgiving in your life, then say no to the things that don't honor God because he is Lord. And all my blessings come from him, so why wouldn't I want to live for him? Pursue the things that Jesus died for. Think about that the next time we're tempted by something. The next time Satan tries to lie to you about something. The next time uh, you decide that you want something more than you want God. You ask yourself, what did Jesus, did Jesus really die so I could behave like this? Did Jesus really die so I could be uh, some kind of grumbler or somebody that's not grateful? Did, did Jesus really die so that I could be so miserable that I can't be thankful? Right? So verses 7 and 8, let's read those. Right? As soon as I find it. Yeah, it says, you used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, malice, uh, slander and filthy language from your lips. There's more stuff. Right? Anybody ever been angry? Don't raise your hand. Raise your hand silently. If that makes sense. Everybody's been angry. I think it's an emotion that God created us with. It's what you do with that anger. If you live in that anger and you let it be, dictate your behavior and then you begin to do things uh, that are sinful because of your anger, then you're in trouble. We're not to live in anger. We're to experience it and turn it over to God and say, God, what am I supposed to do with this? Tell God you're mad about something. Let him deal with it. Malice. All these things are wicked. They're ugly words, aren't they? This is who we used to be. We didn't, Jesus died so we don't have to be these things. Jesus died so that we can be what God created us to be. Isn't that awesome? And here's the truth. None of us can be what God created us to be without Jesus and his death. We're so, des we're so needy, aren't we? We're such desperate people. Thank God we have a God who recognizes that. Notice verse 6, by the way, because it's about, it's, this is where it gets serious, especially for people who are refusing to repent, refusing to acknowledge the Word of God and what it says about God. You can't just make up God however you want Him and then say, I'm going to be saved. You've got to take the God that's in the Bible and do it that way. It says, because of these things, this list that he just made, the wrath of God is coming. Now, I love preaching about God's love and his grace and his mercy. I like saying funny things, and I like hearing people laugh, and I like y'all to say funny things so I can laugh. I like to have fun together in the name of Jesus. But if people don't hear that there's a, a hell that's real, and if they don't hear that God's wrath is, is, is going to come, it's happening, then we're not preaching the whole gospel. Worst thing about hell, it's not the fire, it's not the brimstone, it's not the lake, it's not the torment. It's about the fact that God is not there. 
for eternity. God is not there. You will not be able to hear from him, and he will not hear from you forever. God is not there. That's hell. And that's the way it is for people who do not receive Jesus as Lord, who do not repent, who do not find their way into God's arms. Right? Because there's a lot of thankful people that aren't saved in this world because they're the Lord of their life. There's a lot of great people that live their life and they, they might be successful and well off and whatever and have no worries. They have no idea what it means to be thankful because they've never experienced Jesus in their life. Takes it to a whole nother level, doesn't it? If, if being saved doesn't bring you to tears every now and then, then you're not there yet. You haven't, got, you haven't realized the fullness of Jesus. I'm not challenging anybody. I'm not accusing anybody. I'm just telling you, if you don't understand what Jesus has done for you and, and it doesn't bring tears to your eyes, there's something wrong. I don't mean every day, but every now and then it ought to. Because you know who you are and you know who he is. Isn't that awesome? Apparently I'm preaching too long because I just lost my place here. See that? See that turn the page right there? Got fancy. Dare number three. Chapter three, uh, chapter 3, verse 3 through 4 says, Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self which is, uh, with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. How many people like to be lied to? You can raise your hand for this one. Yes or no? You like to be lied to? Yes? No? Nobody likes to be lied to. So why in the world do we lie to ourselves? Why do we do the thing that we don't want anybody else to do? We do it to ourselves sometimes. What this is saying is, stop pretending to be what you're not. There's too many people in churches around the world, they, they show up and they play the church. And they pretend like it's all together. And they pretend like they're saved. And they're not. Because this is what was wrong with the church and, and this letter is being written to. The Colossians. They were coming to church and they were saying, well, these people aren't the same as these people because these people wear suits and these people don't wear suits. Those people over there make money. They can't come in because they're not in the right. They started separating people based on their sin and their social status. And, and the, this letter is written to them trying to get them to understand that it's Jesus is the center of it all. And he's Lord. And everybody else is the same after that. Right? Aren't you glad that we're all the same? Aren't you glad that God doesn't say you have to be in this category to be with me and in these categories you don't get to be here no matter what you do? They were picking and choosing who was going to be a part of their church based on who they thought they were, based on their own evaluations of each other. God is saying that's not the way it is. No, stop lying to each other. You ain't got it figured out. Stop being, stop pretending, stop putting the church face on and be real. Come in here. I'm a broken person who God, some reason, decided to ask him to be a preacher. I'm broken and I've sinned. And I need Jesus as much as anybody else in this world. And if I ever get to the point where I think more of myself than that, then I put myself above God. By the grace of God, I'm allowed to stand up here and, and handle his word. And by the grace of God, you and I are allowed to go into the world and take that gospel to people. It's a powerful thing. The word of God, the truth of God is holy. It's precious. The gift of salvation is holy and precious. And if we take it for granted, 
It doesn't mean anything. And you're not saved. Stop lying to yourself and just be real. Be real to, for, to yourself and you'll be real to the world and God will show up in people's lives. Now, understand, I'm not saying anything about this church or anybody in this church. I'm just saying in general, this is what the Scripture is telling us. Make sure that you're not lying to yourself and each other. Make sure that you're not saying to each other that we got it all together and we don't have nothing else to do. Put on the new self. Take off the old. Repent. I'm not going to be that way anymore. Now I'm in Christ. So I need to understand what that means. I need to learn what it means to be in Christ. What it means to be in Christ is to be real. We're sinners saved by grace. Oh, by the way, here's my oh, by the way slide. Verse 11 says this, Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Quick note about what that means for us. That means anybody that walks in the doors of this church, Jesus died for them. And we need to see them the way God sees them. We need to understand that God has brought them here so that we can love them so that they can know him. And then we need to understand that we need to present ourselves in a way that says we're not any different than they are. That's what that's all about. Because that's what, what that this church was doing wrong here. You had to, it was almost like you had to fill out a form to see if you qualified for the church there. That's bad. That's not, that's not at all what Christ is about. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, you're God's chosen people and you're holy and dearly loved because God's holy, not because you're special. You're special because God loves you, but you're not special because you've made it on your own. Clothe yourselves with, look, compassion, kindness, Humility, gentleness, and patience. There's another list. Small list, short list, right? Kind of goes along with what they were reciting a little while ago, doesn't it? These are things that, these are things that God expects to have happen in our lives. These, this is what Jesus died for. So that these things would be true in our life. Now here's what I don't want you to do, and here's what we shouldn't do. We shouldn't make this list and start checking it off. I got this one mastered. I have so much compassion, I'm going to check it off. A lot of people do that, don't they? And then you, now I'm working on kindness, right? And then when I get done with kindness, I'm going to move on to humility. Well, I should have started with humility first, shouldn't I? This is not a list of things that you need to work on to do. This is what happens when you submit yourself to Christ and let him be your Lord. These, this, is what, this is what is because you're his. It happens because you're his. It's who you become because you've repented from who you were, which is the other list of, of ugly words. You were those ugly things. Now, because of Christ, you are these. Right? Because if I was working on gentleness and patience, my patience, the, patience, the patience things would mess up my gentleness kind of thing. It's, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Thank God we don't need to do it on our own. Verse 13 says this. Oh, wait, there's more. It says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against me, uh, one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now I hear this. I hear, like, you ever been uh, at a red light and somebody's not stopped? And then you hear screeching tires and you're looking around thinking you're about to get hit? That's what I just heard when we hit this scripture. Everybody's mind, we're like, Because <laughs> we were trucking right along, right? Everybody's amen and silently. But now we're like, bear with each other and forgive each other's grievances. Isn't that where we all struggle? so hard to forgive people because the feelings are real when we're offended, isn't it? It's so hard to forgive somebody, and here's why it's hard, because we're not God. 
I want you to hear what I'm saying. You're not God. I'm not God. If we could get it all together, we wouldn't need Jesus. This is why we should be thankful. Because only God can forgive what we have done to offend Him. When He didn't even have to. Not required. It's because He loves us. And if we're going to love each other the way He wants us to love each other, then we have to forgive, don't we? So hard. Thank God we can go to Him and say, God, I need you to help me with this because I'm having a hard time. This right here is what stands in the way of churches growing for Christ a lot of times. This stands in the way of relationships, marriages, father, son, mother, daughter, aunts, uncles. This stands in the way of neighbors loving each other the way God wants them to love each other. This forgiveness thing. The only way I know how to forgive anybody is to ask God to help me do it. Right? So don't, this is one more thing that you don't have to, it's not a thing you check off, I know how to forgive people, I'm going to check that off. No. If Christ is living in you, he will bring to your heart forgiveness. I'm not saying forget about everything, I'm just saying forget. Love that person. Don't hate them because they've offended you or did something wrong. It says forgive as the Lord has forgave you. You can read the scripture and find out how that was. Oh, and here's, here's verse 14. And over all these virtues, look what it is. Over everything else, put on love. Right? You can be humble, you can be patient, you can be kind. You can even be forgiving. But if you don't love people, it doesn't mean anything. Right? If you don't love people, it says, which binds all these things together perfectly in unity. Love. God is love. This book of Colossians is all about Jesus being the center of everything. And Jesus is the glue that holds everything together. And if we're going to do it right, if we're going to do it in a way that honors God, we need to do it in Christ. And He needs to be the one doing it all. People come in here, they get loved on. They get loved on by the people that are here, but through Christ, they get loved on by God. Not just other people, all of us. Y'all need loving too, right? Y'all need people to know. You need to know people care about you. You need to know people are praying for you. I'm trying to move along. We're, trying to, we're getting a lot of scripture now. Dare number four, I dare you to let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. It says right there in verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace. And what's the last thing say? And be thankful. So if, if I say, how many of y'all are saved? Some of y'all are going to raise your hands, right? And if I say, do you understand that that means that, that the Spirit of God is living in your heart and you have Christ or Christ has you? Whichever way you want to say it, both ways probably, right? So you're going to say to me, well, that's true for me, right? I let the peace of Christ rule in my heart. No. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Who's in charge of your life? Who gets to make the decisions? Who makes the final call? Who makes the final decision of what you're going to do and not do? How many times have I argued with God about, well, I, I know you want me to forgive this person, but you don't know what he's done to me. Who's in charge then? If I'm not letting him lead me and guide me and say what I'm going to do, then he, I'm, not, I'm in charge, aren't I? Or at least I think I am. Let the peace of Christ rule. Be in charge. Be the Lord of your life. What it means is the joy, the peace, the thankfulness, the, all of the fuzzy wuzzies that come with Christ let that be in charge of what you do and how you do it and how you love people, right? Heard a guy say to me one time, 
uh, we were joking around once again. He's, he said, I said something to him and uh, jokingly back, because I said something to him kind of like playing around, hurting his feelings, you know, just, but he didn't hurt, it didn't hurt his feelings. But he said, he said, you know, I only love you because the Bible tells you I have to. <laughs> he said, that's the only reason I love you. We were joking around. We love each other. But if we're only loving people because the Bible says we have to, that's not the right reason, is it? That's not, that's not the peace of Christ ruling. When you get angry, when you get upset, when you get hurt, when you get uh, tempted, when, when all these things on this negative list come about, then the peace of Christ should rule over that and say, no, that's not who we are. No, we're not doing that. I know you want to. I know how you feel. I know what's going on, but that's not who we are. The peace of Christ is who, what matters here, and that's what's going to happen. And then we fall into the, the list that we just read. So let the peace of Christ rule. Don't let it just, him just be a part of your life. He is your life. He's the Lord of your life. He's in charge. We're called to peace. We're called to be at peace with each other. Look, y'all get ready. If, if, if all you have is Jesus, and everything else in your life has always been in the dumpster, and it's never going to change, isn't that enough to be thankful for? If you never get blessed by God again, is that enough to be thankful? Extra long dramatic pause. Because I heard one amen. Look, be thankful, it says. What did a preacher, what did a preacher say when he's here for revival? Psalm 101. Woo! Two of them. You ought to be thankful because Jesus is your Lord. All right, here we are. We're summing it up. We're summing it up. I dare you to set your heart on the things above, and I dare you to put to death sin. Repent. I dare you to repent. I dare you to say to yourself, no. It's not about me anymore. It's about and I dare you to put on the new self. Challenge it. Really do it. I mean, really. And even if you're sitting there saying, I've been saved for years and I understand all this, I dare you to go home and say, do I understand it all? Make sure I understand. Ask God to make sure. Help me have a better understanding. Let the peace of Christ rule. Now, we're going to close with these last two verses right here. 16 and 17. Here's what it says. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word of Christ can't dwell in you if you're not reading it, if you're not studying it, if you're not asking God about it listening to it, whatever you got to do to get the Word of God in your heart. Oh, look at here, it says sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. It says to sing to God. Songs, hymns. That's why we're not going to ever get rid of the hymns, because it says to sing them. It says spiritual songs too, that means we can sing some new stuff. If you sing a song, I don't care what kind of song it is or what kind of music you put to it, if you sing it to God and it's about thanking God and praising God, then okay. Glorifies God, right? Everything you do, do it in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God. So, Christian, I dare you, I challenge you. I'm begging you to be thankful. I'm begging you as a brother in Christ because I love you. Find a way to live your life in a thankful manner. Because if not, you're, you're a distracted Christian and Satan's winning. 
It happens. We get distracted. That's why we help each other. That's why it says to teach each other and help each other and encourage each other. Right? It happens. There was a school teacher. I'm going to try to tell this real quick, and then we're going to do an invitation. There was a school teacher. To, this guy applied for a job at a school. Maybe you heard this story or not, but the, school, the class was a... Uh, this class was like uh, really out of control. Three or four teachers have been run off from this class. This one class. So this guy applies for the job, and a young guy, and the principal's like, you sure you want this job? Because it's not good. Like t- trying to talk him out of it. And he prayed about it silently for a minute, and he said, yeah, I'll take this job. So he took the job, went into the classroom, all the kids are running around, jumping up and down, acting a fool. And there's one big, there was one big kid back there, and his name was Tommy. And he tells the rest of the kids, I'll handle this guy by myself. So, like, they're ganging up on, on the teacher. And the teacher says, all right, we're going to have class in here. But when we're going to have class, we've got to have rules. And I'm going to let you all choose the rules. So the kids are like, oh, what? We get to choose the rules? So they choose the rules. First rules don't steal. Right? Second rules don't be late. And they get on down the list until they had about 10 or so rules. And then the pretending the teacher says, all right, we got rules. You guys are doing great. But if you're going to have rules, they've got to be enforced. So there's got to be a consequence if somebody breaks these rules. Don't you all agree? And they were like, oh, yeah. So what's the consequences? And they said, uh, 10 lashes across the back with a stick. That was, the, that was their consequence. That's what they chose. So he was like, that's kind of harsh, but okay, y'all. I said y'all can decide, so let's do it. So they go on, and they have class, and then some, one day, uh, little Timmy, the smallest kid in the class, comes running in the room crying because the rest of the kids caught him stealing Tommy's lunch. And they were bringing him to the teacher for the consequences. So Timmy's got a big gigantic winter coat on, and the teacher says, well, you know the consequences, and the teacher didn't want to do it. He was like, I can't hit this kid, right? So he's like, take your coat off so we can get this over with. So he didn't want to take his coat off because he didn't have a shirt on because his mom only has one shirt for him, and she was washing it. So he's wearing his coat. So finally, to get to the point where he takes his coat off and he bends over the desk, and the teacher's about to administer the punishment. Tommy comes running up to the front of the class, crying. He said, is there any rule that says that I can't take his punishment? Because Tommy couldn't watch it. So Tommy took his coat off, and he leaned over the top of Timmy, just leaned right over the top of him, and he took that punishment. He didn't even get through all of it before the stick broke. The teacher was like crying. Because he didn't want to do it. The stick broke. Teacher looked up. All the kids in the class are crying. Because of what Big Tommy did. Or Little Tommy. And he didn't have to do it. You get it? Do y'all get it? He didn't have to do it. We all deserve the consequences. The Bible tells us what we need to do. You see? All we got to do is say yes. I want that. I need that. We don't have to take it. There's plenty of people in the world 
that are living in sin and they just, for some reason, they just don't hear it or they don't want to give it up. But Jesus is right there. It's like, oh, I've already taken it for you. All you have to do is accept it. Might be somebody in here living in sin and just wrestling with it. And fooling yourself thinking that you're going to go to be with God when it's over just because you come to church. You're going to be mistaken. You're going to be sadly mistaken. I'm sorry to tell you that. I don't want you to leave here. I don't want you to leave this world and find out the hard way. Jesus died for you. Jesus said, I, I'm not, I can't handle you taking that punishment. I'll do it. Isn't that awesome? That's how much he loves you. That's the reason why your friends and your family keep telling you to you, repent. You need to come to church. Not because they think that you're a bad person. They just want you to be saved. We're going to sing right now. we got so much to be thankful for, don't we? You think about that. We've got so much to be thankful for because we're guilty people that deserve punishment. Yet we've been spared. Not only have we been spared, but we've been invited to be a part of the family of God. We get to be a part of the greatest thing going. Let's stand together and sing. If you have a decision to make, the Bible tells us to repent and be baptized. That's everything I just went through during this message.